are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to participate in discussions about the text, join the Mystical City of God in a Year Facebook group. Now, let us give thanks to God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 126. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 3, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 294 to 303. 294. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, he says, knowing that the Most High could have saved his people and given them eternal salvation merely by desiring it or speaking one word. But he exerted not only his power, but showed also his immense goodness and mercy. The Son of the Eternal Father himself coming down to visit his people and to become their brother in the human nature, their teacher by his example and doctrine, their redeemer by his life, passion, and death on the cross. At these words, Zacharias understood the union of the two natures in the person of the word, and in heavenly clearness he saw this mystery realized in the virginal bridal chamber of the Most Holy Mary. He understood also the exaltation of the humanity by the triumph of the God-man in earning the salvation of the human race according to the promises made to David and his ancestors, 2 Kings 7.12 and Psalm 131.11. He understood that the same promise had been made to the whole world by the prophecies of the saints and patriarchs from the beginning. For from the first creation, God commenced to direct the course of nature and grace toward his coming into the world and to ordain all his works since the time of Adam toward this same blessed end. 295. He understood that the Most High in this manner provided for us the means of obtaining grace and eternal life lost by our enemies in their pride and stubborn disobedience, which hurled them into hell, and the seats which would have been theirs if they had been obedient were reserved for the obedient among the mortals. He saw, however, since the enmity which the serpent had conceived against God was now turned against men, because we were decreed and enshrined in the eternal mind according to the divine will. Apocalypse 12.17 How Adam and Eve, our first parents, having fallen from his friendship and grace, were not given over to chastisement like the rebellious angels, but were raised to a state of hope. Wisdom 10.2 And that in order to assure their descendants of his mercy, God provided the prophecies and figures of the Old Testament, which were to be fulfilled in the coming of the Redeemer and Savior. 
To make this promise still more certain, it was made to Abraham under an oath, affirming that he would be the father of all his people and of all the children of faith. Genesis 22.16 Assured of this stupendous and vast blessing, namely that of receiving his own son made man, we may serve God free from the fear of our enemies. For by our adoption and regeneration, they are already overcome and subdued through our Redeemer. Galatians 4, 5. 296. In order that we may understand what the word has earned for us in restoring to us this liberty in the service of God, he says that he has renewed the world in sanctity and justice and founded the new law of grace for all the days of this world and for the time of the life given to each of the children of the church. In it, they not only can, but they should live in holiness and justice. And as Zechariah saw in his son John the beginning of all these sacraments, he turns to him and congratulates him because of the dignity and sanctity of the office, saying, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for thou shalt go before his face, namely his divinity, and prepare his ways by spreading the light of his coming and giving notice to the people of the Jews concerning eternal life, which is Christ our Lord, the promised Messiah. Mark one forty one. Thus might they dispose themselves by the baptism of penance, for the remission of their sins, and become convinced that the Messiah has come to take away not only their sins, but those of the whole world, John 1.29, since it is through his mercy and account of his merits, Titus 3.5, that he visits us by descending from the bosom of the Eternal Father, and by being born as man, he it was that brought light to those who had lost the truth for so many ages, who were sitting in darkness and in the shadows of death, he it was who by his own example taught us to direct our steps toward the true peace, which we were awaiting. 297. Much more clearly than I can explain, Zechariah perceived these mysteries in their plenitude and depth, and expressed them in his prophecies. Some of those present were likewise enlightened, becoming aware that the time of the Messiah and of the fulfillment of the ancient prophecies was at hand. Full of astonishment at these unexpected wonders and prodigies, they exclaimed, Who shall this child be, since the hand of the Most High is in him, so marvelous and powerful? In accordance with the letter of the law and with the concurrence of his father and mother, the child was then circumcised and named John, and the report of all the wonders spread throughout the whole mountains of Judea. 298. Queen of the Universe, I admire the wonderful works wrought through the intervention by the arm of the Lord and his servants Elizabeth, John, and Zechariah. At the same time, I reflect on the different courses pursued by divine providence and on thy rare discretion. Thy most sweet voice served the Son and the Mother as an instrument of sanctification, filling them with the Holy Ghost, and this remained hidden. Then again, thy secret prayer and command solved the tongue of Zechariah. And this was manifested to all the bystanders, revealing the effects of God's grace in the holy priest. I cannot find the reason for this diversity, and therefore I make known to thee my ignorance, so that thou mayest instruct me as my teacher. Answer and Instruction of the Queen of the World 299. For two reasons, my daughter, the divine effects wrought through me by my son and St. John and Elizabeth were concealed, while those in Zechariah were manifest. First, because Elizabeth spoke out clearly in praise of the Incarnate Word and of me. Yet at that time it was not proper that either this mystery or my dignity should be openly known. The coming of the Messiah was to be manifested by more appropriate means. Secondly, not all hearts were so well prepared as that of Elizabeth, 
for receiving such precious and unprecedented seed of divine knowledge, nor would they have welcomed such sacramental revelation with due reverence. On the other hand, it was more becoming that Zechariah and his priestly dignity should proclaim what was then to be made known. For the beginnings of the heavenly light would be accepted more readily from him than from St. Elizabeth, especially while he was present. That which she said was reserved to bring forth its effects in due time. Although the words of God have their own inherent force, yet the more sweet and acceptable manner of communicating with the ignorant and the unskilled in divine mysteries is by means of the priest. 300. Likewise, it was proper that the dignity and honor of the priesthood should receive its due. For the Mosai holds the priests in such esteem that if he finds them in the right disposition, he exalts them and fills them with his spirit in order that the world may venerate them as his chosen and anointed ones. Moreover, the wonders of the Lord run less risk in priests, even when they are more openly revealed to them. If they live up to their dignity, their works in comparison with those of the other creatures are like those of the angels and of the seraphim. Their countenance should be resplendent like that of Moses, when he came forth from converse with the Lord, Exodus 34.29. At least they should deal with the rest of men in such a manner that they should be honored and revered as next to God. I desire that thou understand, my dearest, that the Mosai is greatly incensed against the world in this matter, as well against the priests as against laymen, against the priests because forgetting their exalted dignity, they debase themselves by a contemptible, degraded, and scandalous life, giving bad example to the world by mixing up with it to the neglect of their sanctification, and against the layman because they act with a foolhardy presumption toward the anointed of the Lord, whom, though of imperfect and blameworthy lives, they ought to honor and revere as taking the place of Christ, my most holy Son on earth. 301. On account of this reverence due to the priesthood, my behavior toward St. Zechariah was different from that toward Elizabeth. For although the Lord wished that I should be the instrument by which the gifts of the Holy Spirit should be communicated to both, yet I saluted Elizabeth in such a manner that I, at the same time, showed a certain authority, exerting my power over the original sin of her son. For at my words, this sin was forgiven him, and both mother and son were filled with the Holy Ghost. As I had not contracted original sin and was exempt from it, I possessed dominion over it on this occasion. I commanded as the mistress who had triumphed over it by the help of the Lord, Genesis 3.5, and who was no slave of it, as we the sons of Adam who sinned in him, Romans 5.12. Therefore, the Lord desired that in order to free John from the slavery and chains of sin, I should command over it as the one who never was subject to its bondage. I did not salute Zechariah in this authoritative way. But I prayed for him, observing the reverence and decorum due to his dignity and my modesty. I would not have commanded the tongue of the priest to be loosened, not even mentally and secretly, if the Mosai had not enjoined it upon me, intimating at the same time that the defect of speech hardly suited his office for a priest should stand ready to serve and praise the Almighty with all his powers. In regard to the respect due to priests, I will tell thee more on another occasion. Let this suffice at present for the solution of thy doubt. 302. But from my instruction today, learn especially to seek direction in the way of virtue and eternal life. In all thy intercourse with men, be they above or below thee in dignity, imitate therein me and my cousin Elizabeth with due discretion, asking all to direct thee and guide thee. 
For in return for such humility, the Lord will provide thee with secure counsel and divine light for exercising thy discreet and sincere love of virtue. Drive away, or do not allow thyself to be influenced by even the least breath of flattery, and avoid the conversations which expose thee to it. For such deceitful pleasure darkens the light and perverts the unsuspecting mind. The Lord is so jealous of the souls, especially beloved by him, that he will immediately turn away from them if they find pleasure in the praises of men and seek to recompense themselves by their flatteries, since by this levity they become unworthy of his favors. It is not possible to unite in a soul the adulations of the world and the caresses of the Most High. For these latter are sincere, holy, pure, and lasting. They humiliate, cleanse, pacify, and illumine the heart, while on the other hand, the flatteries of creatures are vain, fleeting, deceitful, impure, and false, issuing from the mouths of those who are all liars, Psalm 115.11. And whatever is deceitful is a work of the enemy. 303. Thy spouse, my dearest daughter, does not wish thy ears to be enthralled by deceitful earthly talk, nor contaminated by the flatteries of the world. Therefore, I desire that thou keep them close and well guarded against all these poisonous influences. If thy Lord is pleased to speak to thy heart the words of eternal life, it is proper that thou thyself be deaf and lifeless to all that is earthly. All else should be to thee a deadly torment in comparison with the caresses of his love. Remember that thou owest him the perfection of thy love, and that all hell will combine against thee, in order to ensnare thee by thy natural tenderness, to be sweet and loving toward creatures, and less grateful to the eternal God. Watch over thyself, and see that thou resist this unfaithfulness, trusting in thy beloved master and spouse. This concludes our reading today for day number 126 which we read from Volume 2, Book 3, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 294 to 303. Well, today's reading comes after hearing the Benedictus yesterday, the Canticle of Zechariah. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets he promised of old that he would save us, from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. And it goes on. And we heard today then the explanation really of the great Benedictus. Now we didn't hear it as thoroughly as the Canticle of Mary that was at the beginning of the visitation, but here we have this other Canticle of Praise, one that began the Magnificat, the visitation, and now this is the end of the visitation that Mary has visited for the months leading up to and through the birth of St. John. And so we have this other acclamation of praise for what God has done. And this is a prayer, again, like the Magnificat, that is prayed by the clergy every day in their morning prayer. And so, in a sense, this Benedictus is really a beautiful morning offering. Not only is it just simply recalling all that God has done by preparing John the Baptist, he has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born in the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies. So Zechariah, already acknowledging Jesus in the womb of Mary to be the Savior of the world, and now he, 
He has raised up for us not only this mighty Savior, but he has spoken through the mouth of his holy prophets. And John is going to be really what we call the last of the prophets. That he is the hinge between the prophets of the Old Testament and now into the New Testament. And so John, being that prophet who prepares the way of the Lord. There are beautiful lines in the Benedictus when we pray it. In a sense, it's recalling all of these things, but also preparing us for the day. It's a morning prayer, and so it prepares us, asking God, just as he prepared John the Baptist, that we also might be used in this manner. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. Well, now we prepare the way of the Lord in our homes and in our workplaces and in our families, to give knowledge of salvation to his people unto the remission of their sins. Well, John the Baptist forgave sins through the baptism of repentance. And so we're called to help people to understand that they too can experience the forgiveness of sins. Through the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high has visited us to enlighten them that sin in darkness and in the shadow of death and to direct our feet into the way of peace, so that in the day, if there is any darkness, that Christ, the light of the world, might come, that we might be enlightened, and that our feet might always be directed in the way of peace, that we might be those agents of God's peace in the world. Truly, these words of Zechariah repeated daily by the church is a fitting hymn of praise to God, for all of us to pray. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.